Welcome, everyone, to the 30th episode of the Gen X Photography Podcast. I thank you all for joining with me. It's been a journey so far, and big round number of 30. I'm very excited. Well, this week's episode is super duper exciting. First of all, I want to say, and I hinted at it on episode 29, that there was going to be an exciting change, and now that change has come to reality. I want to introduce... For the second time, Suzanne P Peterson as my co-host for this podcast. Welcome, Suzanne, again to this podcast, and thank you thank for you. being willing to be my co-host. Absolutely. I'm very flattered and excited to be here. Thank you, Mario. Awesome. Looking forward to working with you. <laughs> Same here. All right. And this week's episode, uh, we have a very special guest. Her name is Danielle Robleski, and... If you've listened, if you're listening to this episode, you probably have listened to her other uh, fabulous interviews on various other podcasts. She's um, podcast famous. <laughs> so Danielle, thank you so much for joining. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure. Absolutely, absolutely. So first of all, um, how's everything going with uh, with both of you? Uh, start with you, Suzanne. Going great. Yeah. yeah, things are good. I've been out uh, having some paid shoots and doing some more. Actually, I've been doing a lot of submissions to different magazines and whatnot, trying to get that side rolling a little bit more. I get a little bit busy in the summer just because I shoot a lot of portrait sessions. And so I haven't been as proactive on it, but I've been recently yeah. compiling my my portfolio to start sending those out. So it's been a lot of fun. That's so cool. So cool. I hope for the best of success. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Danielle, how about your uh, uh, recent activities? How have things been going for you? Yeah, things are going pretty good right now. Um, I've been currently working on a series of ambrotypes that I'm making for Halloween. So I've been trying to work on like some creepy scenes and still lives and I just, um, it's it's going a lot slower though than I anticipated. I keep kind of having like little hiccups or plates don't turn out the way I thought they would. And so, but you know, chin up, I'm gonna hope that it's gonna keep going okay. Yeah, that's the thing with analog photography, right? It's exactly a lot of unexpected surprises. <laughs> exactly, yeah. <laughs> cool, cool. Well, I know recently for me, um, since the last podcast, I it's weird, I've gotten a couple of, uh, cameras gifted to me. I got a, a Kodak Brownie that was gifted, my first medium what? format camera. Um, and then a, a, oh, what is it called? Imperial Savoy, uh, little box camera from the 50s. Little plastic camera, very, very simple, like n no settings whatsoever. You advance it and shoot and that's it. Oh, that's cool. <laughs> but it's also a medium format camera. So I've been toying around with medium format. And then recently, uh, I got my first pack of Polaroid uh, 600 film and started shooting that. So it was, it was exciting. It was very, very exciting. Uh, my daughter shot a couple of shots. My son did. And it was, they're hanging on the refrigerator now. So. Aw, that's so cool. Yeah. Very, very yeah, yeah. fun. It's so fun. It's so fun. All right. Well, uh, I think we'll hand it over to Suzanne to, to start the the interview, if you'd like to, Suzanne, with your first question. Yeah, absolutely. So you mentioned something that I was actually really curious about are the ambrotypes. 
So I don't know anything about them. And I saw your, your Instagram and I was like, Ooh, I have got to ask her more about those. <laughs> um, you want to tell us about them? Sure. Yeah. So, um, it, I started shooting film about four years ago and, uh, shortly after starting shooting film, I, discovered tintypes like just I saw tintypes online and I think like a lot of people I kind of instantly fell in love with the look of them and um and so it had been a goal for a very long time to eventually learn how to do tintypes or ambrotypes and um I'm actually I I've started making them this summer has that's kind of been like the big project of this past summer and into the fall here and uh um, I actually do a slightly different method than most people. Most people do wet plate amber types where um, you know, you use collodion and, and silver nitrate and um, the plates are still wet while you shoot them and develop them. And um, I actually am using a dry plate method. I, um, through Facebook, found this dry plate photography group and have been playing around on there. And there's this wonderful uh, photographer. His name is Jason Lane and he makes... Um, dry plates so they're on glass and it's a, a a dry hard emulsion on it and you can actually develop them just as regular negatives or you can um, whip up your own uh, batch of ambrotype developer and develop them as a positive ambrotype and I've really fallen in love with that and uh, I, I it's it's so convenient because with the dry plates you can shoot and develop them anytime it's not like the wet plate process where you have just like a very short like 20 minute window to shoot and develop your plates while they're still wet wet um so yeah it's been just so endlessly creative to come up with like cool things to shoot and um i've really it's kind of taken over my life right now that is so cool so um i i literally know nothing about it i don't even know very much about wet plate i know that i love it <laughs> i know that i love the look so when you said it's like tintype what's the what is the am is that is it based on the developer why is it called ambrotype oh yeah so that actually just comes down to what the photo is on so oh. a tintype is a positive image that's on a piece of metal and then an ambrotype is a positive image that's on a piece of glass oh. um, so since i have the plates that i'm shooting are glass they're technically ambrotypes but yeah tintypes and ambrotypes are very very similar it's just the difference between the material you use for the to put the image on Okay, interesting. And what do you shoot them with? I mean, are they like an eight by ten? Are they how how big are they or what camera are you using for those? Yeah, it's um they're just slightly smaller than four by five. Um I uh just by co complete coincidence tripped into this old, old camera from the early twenties. I got a really good deal on it and it shoots nine by twelve centimeters because it's like 100 years old and it's European, so it's like metric. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's so cool. Well, and that's, it's just like nine by 12 is like just a fraction, like maybe one centimeter smaller than a four by five plate. So um, you can't really find too much sheet film in nine by 12 centimeter size, but you can get glass plates in nine by 12 centimeters. So that's, that's really kind of what's kicked all of this going. That is so, so rad. I love it. I love it. That's Thank you for explaining it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, something I wonder about with with regard to that I was I was thinking I was listening to um, I think it was the Camerosity uh, podcast. It's that new uh, uh, what do they call it? Not free form. I can't remember how they describe 
it's a new podcast, some uh, some photography podcast, but people just call in and they don't know what the guests are going to ask, then they talk about it. And I think on the latest episode, they talked about the future of photography or film photography, analog photography, you know, 10, 15, 20 years in the future. And it got me to thinking, um, like, you know, the availability, availability of film in the future from, you know, Kodak or Ilford or, you know, all these larger companies, you know, we don't know what's going to happen in the future. So it might rely on our own knowledge of how to do things and how to make things in order to keep this, this art alive. Do you think that your knowledge of uh, tintypes and ambrotypes, negative and positive, uh, do you think that that could be carried over into, I know this is a, maybe an interesting or weird question, but into the making of emulsions for film cameras. Do you think that that could be transferred over? Um, I don't know if I would ever be able to um, make my own emulsion because I actually buy the glass plates already coated with an emulsion. Um, there's there's a gentleman who makes them, so I, I don't make the emulsion myself, I, but I am getting really tempted and I've watched a number of videos on how to make your own like silver gelatin emulsion and I have a lot of dry platers who are trying to convince me that I should learn how to make my own emulsion. Um, but I, I, I'm pretty certain that the emulsion on the glass plates, like the dry plates, isn't too weirdly different than emulsion that you would see on a modern film. I mean, there, there are differences. It is um, the plates that I shoot are orthochromatic, so they don't react to red light, for instance. Um, but I mean, dry plates were really the, the I think, from what I understand, like the last precursor to like modern film that we shoot. So I don't think yeah. there's like, so yeah, if I ever got into shooting, uh, making my own emulsion, yeah, I don't know, that might, that might translate someday. <laughs> that would be yeah, pretty was, cool. It would be, it would be. I was thinking about it, you know, after I listened to that podcast, I was thinking, you know, people back in the 1800s had to kind of learn the process on, process on their own and just hunt and peck and figure it out. And I'm sure we have the capability nowadays too. you know, we, we have the convenience of, you know, companies making film for us. But I think if push comes to shove, we probably would be able to figure it out if we're ardent and passionate enough, yeah. you know. Mm -hmm. so. To that point, though, I just want to say it, it is like when you think about that people back in the 1800s had to learn this all themselves. And like, it's mind boggling. I watched <laughs> youtube documentary recently about daguerreotypes and and it's just like how did people ever learn that you could do this like you have to take a piece of silver you have to polish it and polish it and polish it until it's like a perfect mirror and then you have to put it in all these crazy deadly chemicals that like if you breathe them in will like kill you mercury fumes <laughs> and i'm just like watching this and it's fascinating but i'm like how did we ever learn this like who was the person who, who just like was like well hey you know i got these chemicals that could kill me let's just play with them <laughs> that's crazy to think we discover this this is this right. is amazing that is pretty, that's a good question <laughs> to ponder like what yeah <laughs> well i definitely i mean if you continue sharing your work your trials and tribulations through the the this process um you know, the more knowledge that's that's had in 
various aspects of analog photography, the more it's going to enrich all of us, you know, and maybe <laughs> an impetus for some of us <laughs> to get up and start doing some of these, you know, really cool and, and uh, different things other than just relying on what's available commercially for us, yeah. you know, um, yeah. it, very fascinating. Do you have any more, uh, uh, Suzanne, for uh, as far as that goes, as far as the amber um, types? Not as far as the amber types. No, I got lots of questions for her, but you go yeah. next. <laughs> okay, sounds good. So, you know, something that I've uh, noticed from you, and, I, and you've talked uh, at length with other people about it, and I'm just fascinated, curious, inspired by your work with the Women with Film Wednesday and all you do mm -hmm. for women who shoot film. Um, one thing I wanted to find out, for, well, first of all, how is it going? I mean, I, you, you post regularly, but behind the scenes, how is it going? What do you see as far as your efforts go? Um, you know, I think it's, it's going okay. I, I, I'm never going to stop this, like, crusade I am on to help women who shoot film get more recognition for their work. Um, yeah. I, I do see a lot of people participating in Women With Film Wednesday, which I think is amazing. That's what I hoped for when I, I, I started it. Um, but I will say it tends to be a lot of women who are participating, which nothing wrong with that. I, I love it when women support women. But I also feel strongly that we need, you know, guys supporting women too. And um, we need all genders supporting women and all, and all genders supporting all genders. And um, yeah, yeah I that's something that I would love to see grow more is more uh, guys participating with like Women With Film Wednesdays and um, doing actively helping women get fair representation in this world as well. Yeah. So uh, I guess on that question, what are some specific things that they, we as men, as guys could do to, to further the cause of creating that equilibrium that's so necessary in, in film photography, well, in society in general, but in our field of endeavor, film photography or analog photography, what, what are some, some, practical things that we as as guys can do? Yeah, that's a good question. I think, you know, if there is a big conversation being had, um, jumping in and, and being vocal about it, you know, I feel like we tend to kind of have these big moments on social media where, um, like most recently, Kodak got called out for not uh, featuring women on their page and it was kind of like exploding on social media it was like this big moment and like a lot of people were posting about it but I didn't see a lot of guys posting about it and so I just feel like you know when we do have these big moments or when a big discussion is kicked off like I would love to see guys equally like talking out and being vocal on it and 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 talking about why it's important that women get represented um they can mm -hmm. just small things you know like um, you know, participating in Women with Film Wednesday or lo looking at the feed of people that you follow. Is there a lot of women in there? Is there not? A, you know, I, I always think it's a good thing to like analyze the artists you follow. And it's I think it's really important to follow artists who don't look like yourself, because yeah. um, if you're just following people who are your same uh, gender and race, like you're, you're just kind of living in a vacuum, really. You're living in a bubble. You're not being ex um, exposed to all different types of voices. And I know there's a lot of people who say, well, I don't see gender. I don't see race um, in artwork. But I just I think that's completely ridiculous because mm -hmm. who we are uh, affects the art we create. You know, like yeah. my gender and my experience I've had as a woman 
influences the type of art I create. And, and, and same for people of different racial identities and different um, sexual identities. You know, the who we are, our own personal identity comes out through our work. And, and if people say, well, I don't, you know, I don't follow, I don't look at gender or race, then you're, you're leaving out the very important parts that those identities really play in our artwork. Um, so, you know, going through the people you follow, making sure that there's diverse people in there. Um, like I said, participating in Women in, with Film Wednesday. And then, oh man, I had another idea. Oh, and like outside of social media, you know, if you're doing meetups or you're actually planning some sort of like actual physical photography event, make sure that you're inviting a diverse um, set of people. There's so many times where I go on social media and I'll see people posting stories of like film meetup or photo walk and it's all guys at these photo walks or at these meetups. And I just think, and it's, you know, it's people I like, people I'm friends with, I'll see them posting about meetups and it's all guys. And I just think like, did you invite any girls to this? Did you, yeah. and or how, did you make this known that this was girlfriend, like a, a friendly environment for all people, you know? Right, right. Why is it only just guys at your meetup? And so I think those are other like more practical, you know, things that you can do that if you're hosting something or getting together or collaborating, make sure there's diverse people that you're inviting to participate. Yeah, I think so too. Um, it, here in Vermont, you know, it's a fairly rural place and there are, I don't really know that many film photographers here in Vermont. I know there, there are, I mean, you go, there are store, there are camera stores that sell film. So there's obviously film photographers here in Vermont, but I don't personally know them. And I started this podcast like right before COVID. So we really haven't like, I've never done a photo walk with anybody. <laughs> myself. <laughs> Maybe my kids, you know, uh, but um, you know, something I was wondering about is, and I heard about this, it was another podcast not related to film or photography even, but it was, it was something about Facebook and Instagram and, and how, uh, like one thing that, that caught my ears was the uh, objectification of women on those platforms mm -hmm. and how <laughs> women are being celebrated for that reason and not for their artistic endeavors, yeah. not for their skills, not for their yeah. visions, but simply for the way they look. Absolutely. And so how, what are, <laughs> I mean, this might be a larger question than can be summed up in this podcast, but it, it seems like almost a societal change of men to get beyond that and look at, at women as their fellow you know, citizens, peers. artists, yeah, peers, exactly. Yeah, exactly. You know, yeah, that's that's a. I completely agree, and I I've um I posted about this somewhat recently, like in the last couple months, where um I often see, well, there's a huge trend of like mirror selfies um on Instagram, uh, you know, mm -hmm. in the film world, like people with a film camera taking a mirror selfie, but. I feel like most of the mirror selfies we see are, are women. And mm -hmm. I've also just noticed that like a lot of the self portraits that we see on Instagram are women, which is fine. But it, so often I'll notice like a, a female photographer will get like totally hyped or recognized for her like nude self portrait she took, but none of her other work, like none of her right. other work is recognized. And it's like, are you really celebrating her as an artist or are you just celebrating the fact that she's showing up her body? <laughs> right. <laughs> 
And, and I, I posted about this in my stories and I'm not trying to say that women shouldn't, you know, take nude photos or anything, but it's just, it's very frustrating when you see women getting celebrated for being nude in their artwork, but then not any of their other artwork that doesn't feature that. And I did have a number of women who reached out who were like, yeah, you know, I, from time to time I'll take a, a selfie or I'll maybe take a nude portrait and put it on Instagram and that will blow up and get tons of likes and get reshared and featured. But then none of my other work does. And it just makes them feel like, well, you don't really value my other work. You just value my body. And um, right. we, we really need to move past that. And it's one of the main reasons why I rarely share photos of myself on my page. And I, I often somewhat often people will message me and guys will message me and tell me like, Oh, you should post more photos of yourself. And it's like, do you say this to the male photographers? <laughs> right. Hey, I, I highly doubt your message. Bro, <laughs> you should post more selfies. <laughs> exactly. That's one thing that I, I really appreciate about a lot of the, a lot of the uh, female photographers that I, that I follow. Most of what they share is, what they see in the world around them, whether it's like, say, you with the, your beautiful portraits of um, oh, man, no, no, not Milwaukee. Yeah, oh, Milwaukee. Man. I'm in Milwaukee. Okay, I'm sorry. I got really confused there for a minute. I'm sorry. Danielle Robleski from Milwaukee. Welcome to the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, your beautiful portraits of Milwaukee in all the variety of film stocks, and they're just so gorgeous. And it's it well and various other uh photographers that i follow who are shooting like like you suzanne shooting a variety of things that are just so gorgeous and awesome and don't objectify either gender that's just sharing the world as you see it i, I just love yes. photography that's based on that and i i wish that more of well i i don't want to say that most of my gender is the other way because i don't know but i i wish that my gender didn't have that baggage <laughs> of the way, right. you know, through history, we have treated you guys or you mm -hmm. girls, you ladies. Right. I don't know how to say it, but, you know, <laughs> I, I, I wish I wish we didn't we didn't have that baggage. And so I think that's one thing, one of the reasons for myself why, it, in addition to wanting to talk with a variety of people through this podcast, another reason is I want to do at least a little bit in this way to talk with female photographers and spread that out, you know? So I, I hope, I hope it's going to help strengthen that, you know, strengthen what you're already doing. <laughs> so. Yeah, it's great work. I, I, I think it's, it's wonderful that you, you invite so many women onto your, onto your show. Yeah. Well, I, I, I hope it, I, I hope it does help some at least, you know? All right. Well, I'm, I'm so glad that you're doing, doing the the women women with film on Wednesdays and every time you you know upload your on, on Wednesday upload the the new photographer I'm always clicking on their photography and everyone is so different and right? all so awesome yeah. you know <laughs> um, I think you're I don't remember who the the name Na I forget names a lot but the the latest one from this last Wednesday I clicked on her her link and oh my goodness her her photography was just amazing there was there were a, a lot of different colors from what i remember a lot yeah. of colors especially her more recent work um it, it'd be awesome to have her on the podcast in the future in a few future time you know so we'll we'll see about that yeah yeah <laughs> it, 
anyways, thank you. Um, well, Suzanne, what do you have uh, for yeah. your next question? Well, actually, what you just said really led into what I really wanted to ask you, um, Danielle, is how I'm always really curious as to why we choose to shoot what we shoot. I myself have been on this big deep dive of trying to like self-discovery and why am I drawn to the things that I am and photograph in the way that I do. And, you know, looking through your page, I love your photography. It's, I love like urban landscape. It's not my, I don't know. I don't even know how to shoot urban landscape, but I notice you have a lot of it. And I'm, I'm just curious, like, not just that, but like, how, how do you, what, do you know why you're drawn to what you're drawn to basically? Yeah, that is a really great question. And I'll be honest, I haven't really thought about it too much, but I am obviously very drawn to shooting cityscapes. And I think really, you know, what it comes down to is I, I love history and I, I, I ended up in Milwaukee about six years ago and I kind of quickly just fell in love with the city and the city is so diverse. Uh, we're really, it's a city of neighborhoods, you know, it's like Milwaukee is like this big conglomerate of a, like a bunch of small little neighborhoods and they all have their own characters and their own types of um, like architecture. And I just, I just love like capturing what the city looks like. I'm all, often drawn to like older buildings or even buildings that are somewhat in disrepair because I just feel like they're almost like a moment in time that's been frozen there you know it's like you know whether it's a building that's kind of fallen into disuse you know it's like it's it's frozen in whatever moment it was left in or even if it is like historic architecture that it has been well kept it's still like a testament to the time that it was built in and i just i love kind of preserving these moments in time that you can see throughout our city yeah that is so fascinating because when you look at at you know different people who like to shoot this genre i suppose it is so fascinating to see like from milwaukee and i went to school in madison by the way so we have a oh. little connection there <laughs> a little Wisconsin connection um anyway like just to see the differences in across the world, I suppose. Um, but that's so that's so awesome. I love what you're saying. It would be really cool to have, like, if you did a book. <laughs> I'm gonna throw a project out there. No, but like, like the different neighborhoods that you're, you know, I have in my head this visual now of how different these little pockets of your city could be. That would be so fascinating. I love that. Yeah, yeah, I love it. I just, I, I live in the Bayview neighborhood, and like. Bayview is very different architecturally wise than Walker's Point, which is the neighborhood just north of us, which is also very different than the Third Ward, which is just beyond that. It's just it's so cool to just see how each neighborhood is just a little bit different, you know? Yeah, I wonder why. That's so that's that's interesting. I yeah. love it. Thank you. Thank you for telling me that. Great. <laughs> you know, uh, thinking, you know, going off of that question, um, a lot of your portraits your architectural portraits, you shoot in Portra, but you all, you've also shot in um, Lomochrome Purple recently. Yeah. Yes. So cool. So cool. I love Lomochrome Purple. I love the Lomochrome series. I want to do a solo show just based on the Lomochrome series. I, just think they're amazing. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> I haven't always gotten the results that I want, but the results that I've gotten have been fascinating nonetheless, particularly the turquoise. Oh, I wish they'd bring it back. <laughs> I Never wish they'd bring it back. That one. I'm, I'm so sad. <laughs> I never have um, shot it. <laughs> um, but it, thinking about that, um, it, so in, in film photography, 
Well, I guess the same in, with digital photography, but I, with digital photography, all I thought about was the camera itself. I didn't really think about the sensor or anything like that. But with film photography, there's so many variables. You've got the body, you got the lens, but then you also got the film. Of course, there's the after shooting the developments and all that. But in large part, I think less about the body, the camera body. I love them. I really do love them. Um, that's a carryover from my digital era. I love the lenses. They're beautiful. But what I think about most is the film itself. I love the film <laughs> that goes in the camera. Each and every role that I shoot, um, whether it's something like Fuji Superior or expired Coda color, gold, VR, whatever, or the Lomochrome series, or whatever, you know? I love, I love, love, love the film. So are there particular films that you're, you are drawn to more than others? And if so, what are they? Yeah, that's a, that's a really good one. Um, I, I would say in general, I tend to, for a lot of my like um, urban work and modern film work, I tend to gravitate towards color stocks. Um, I do really like black and white. I just, I don't know, I just don't get around to grabbing it as often. Um, but for my color stocks, I really um, love Lomo Color Negative 100 film. It's, it's absolutely beautiful. Um, I think it's on par with the portraits, frankly, in my opinion. Um, I, I also am quite fond of Portra 160, which is, I feel like a little bit like the redhead stepchild of the Portra world. <laughs> it's like the <laughs> love, but I, I, it's my favorite. Um, Portra 400 is pretty, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's good, you know, it's, it's a standard, it's a classic, but I just don't reach for it as, as much. I, I like to shoot ISOs that are like 100 to 200 and, Frankly, my opinion is if I'm shooting in, in daylight, I, I don't really feel like I have a, a reason to be shooting a 400 speed film. Um, yeah. I also, at this summer, I've really have just fallen in love with Lomochrome Purple. I just, it is so wild and it's, it just makes you see your world in a completely different way. And um, the, the architectural shots I took on Purple, I honestly was not expecting to like them at all. I was not even really in like a very inspired mood. I was just out walking and I just kind of felt very blah. And I thought, well, I'll just put purple in here. And so when I got it developed, I was like fully expecting like all these are just all going to be crap shots. And then I was going through them and all these scenes that I had captured that I don't even know if I regularly would have even shot these scenes just like looked so beautiful on the Loma Chrome purple. And I just, yeah, it's it's just making me want to go back and reshoot everything I've already shot on purple just so I can see it that way. <laughs> it is exactly. such a nice film. It's so different. My first one, my first time that I shot it, I was up in the mountains and it was winter, and it was there was a lake and a lot of pine trees. Oh my gosh! And my colors were vivid. They were so brilliant. I'm just like, this is so cool. So I cool. I love the film too. Yeah. I wonder what they're going to come out with next, you know, because they came out with, was it Metropolis in 2019, maybe? Yeah, that sounds right. Yeah. Um, and I know, you know, COVID's thrown a big wrench into everybody's lives, all, all the businesses and everything. But I just wonder what cool, kooky kind of emulsion they're going to come with in the Lomochrome series, you know. So, have you shot the Metropolis, by the way? You know, I haven't. Um... 
I just, yeah, it's not one I've gotten around to yet, but I, I do need to. I need to get some roles on order. It's really cool. It's really cool. The first the first couple of roles that I shot, well, actually, like the first role that I shot, I was with my daughter, and uh, we went to an abandoned, um, like a railway roundhouse type thing. Um, it, it basically, it had fallen into disrepair. Um, well, actually, no, we didn't go to the roundhouse. I went there with my son, but right across from it, um, there was a, I think it might have been where, where the people that worked at the roundhouse lived. It was abandoned. The roof had fallen in, pretty precarious, but we went went there anyways. And I was shooting Lomacom per, uh, Turquoise. No, <sighs> Metropolis. I'm getting them all confused. <laughs> Metropolis. And at first, when I developed it, um, I don't know what I was expecting. I think what it was is I was watching, uh, I watched two videos in particular from the old camera guy, Dave Mahali, and from Aloy Anderson, you know, uh, the reviews of the of, of the Metropolis and their images really captivated me, and I kind of was anticipating something like that, and it wasn't quite what I got. But I don't know if you guys have experienced this as you sit on the not literally, but you know, let the photos kind of rest for a little bit for a couple of months, and then re then revisit them. You you kind of get a renewed or a a greater appreciation for them. I don't know if you've experienced this, but I know for me, I have. And now, man, I'm really digging the look of the the Metropolis, the kind of the washed out, muted, somewhat muted tones, but you know, not necessarily just muted. It's it's really peculiar film that has its own it is very different. characteristics. I agree. I, really I, like shot, I shot a little bit of it. Um, and, and I need to shoot it again. And I need to shoot it maybe in a different environment. Um, I did some, like in a downtown, one of our older cities over here, um, and some of my daughter. And, and what I don't know, I wasn't able to quite get something, the look that I really wanted. But I'm kind of like you, or it's like if you look back at it in a couple of months, you're like, actually, that was pretty red. I like that. But yeah. I need to shoot it again. I need to give it another like give it another go, try a different time of year. I think I did it in the, when did, did you shoot yours in the summer or the? Um, I, I did it. So I've, I've done a couple of roles. I did my first one in the spring. It was like right when COVID started. Um, okay. And we really weren't supposed to travel anywhere, but we like snuck over into New Hampshire. <laughs> it was like right mm -hmm. over the line. And I uh, went to this little abandoned place. Um, yeah. But then last fall, I shot a little bit um mostly you know my kids and my cats and you know i've talked to you suzanne about <laughs> cat portraits yeah, I love it. <laughs> I, but uh a little bit of fall photography or you know fall foliage and it was interesting so this fall i decided that i was gonna shoot one roll in my trusty minolta srt 102 <laughs> and uh do a lot of fall photography um you know flowers and things like that and see what what colors come from this interesting film you know uh i've got three shots left and i don't want to waste them so i'm gonna wait until the right time and then shoot them send them off to develop so awesome yeah <laughs> suzanne oh, what's your next Daniel, question do you develop your own i was just thinking of this do you develop your own film or do you send it to a lab a little bit of both so i develop my own black and white and then i develop my own plates my glass plates that I shoot but for color I take that to the lab I okay I, I've, I've tried c41 at home and I just 
that process I just hated it so much like it's it's such a finicky process you know you have to have the temperature exactly like perfect all the way through and your your agitations have to be so like uniform and perfect all the way through too I just I don't have time for the stress and I just honestly yeah. my life has become so busy that I just don't shoot enough color to really okay. make an at-home c41 kit like fully worth it so you know I probably yeah shoot like four to five rolls of color a month and it's just I'd rather just take it to the lab take it to a lab yeah I was just curious about that um do you like for what do you with your photography do you have a trajectory a goal or is this just something that you just it just feeds you like something you need in your life or do you have plans like I want like me I'm like really interested in getting into a gallery or something but how what is your goal trajectory whatever I really have no tra trajectory. <laughs> That's all good. <laughs> I I just like I'm I guess I'm a little bit of a butterfly. I just kind of I do whatever I fancy in the moment and um I've I've never honestly even thought about trying to get in a gallery that I guess that just always things like like getting into a gallery, publishing a book, that just sounds like something people above me do. Like I don't oh, know. <laughs> No, not at all. Not at all. But that's no, that's I'm just always curious, you know, where people if they want to take it anymore, if it just continues to be that that, you know, fire your fuel to your fire. <laughs> I'll be honest, I don't even know how to like how do people get into galleries? I don't I don't even know how that works. I, I think you have to like um some of them are open calls. Like I'm, I have applied to open calls for a couple of galleries around here. And I've, I've had a few pieces in like one in Boulder, one down by where I work. And, um, they, it's like an open call. So they say, oh, the theme is blue. And so then you submit maybe three photos or whatever. And then if they accept your work, then you hang in there. It's, it's a fee typically to enter, not, not very high, say like $35 and you can enter three images. And they the ones that I've been in, they've typically only accepted one. They're like, we're only probably going to take one. There was one that I got accepted to, and they took all three. And I'm like, they must be short. <laughs> For, no, I don't think <laughs> my work was so great. I think they really needed people. So, and I'm not putting myself down. It's just I think that you know, I think it's very common to maybe have one accepted um, or nothing. Like I never go in with expectations. I'm just like, you know what? I'm going to try, and if it doesn't, you know, whatever it whatever goes goes. But it's kind of fun. It's kind of fun. Yeah, I don't know. Now you're getting me curious. I just never, I always thought like gallery exhibitions were for people like Ansel Adams, you know? <laughs> no, not at all. Not at all. I can always send or I could tell you, Mario, you could put the link. People might, might know about it, but there's a site called Cafe. It's CA, yeah, Cafe Call for Entry, I think it is. Um, and if you just Googled that, it would come up and it has all of the calls for work like across the US. I think it's only US based. And it'll tell you, okay, this one's in California and the theme is there's one that I want to uh, apply to and it's just called Embrace. And it can be however you interpret that. Um, so it but it's really fun. It's like it's just kind of a fun additional thing if you don't mind, you know, spending a few dollars just to see just to see what happens, you know? Yeah. That's really cool. I might have to consider that now. Yeah. You should do it. I think you should. It's really cool. <laughs> That's so cool. Um, Suzanne, you said something about um, uh, one of the things themes might being might be being blue or a theme of blue. They they actually have themes like that. Yeah. Yep. I did. I did one that was blue, and I think oh. that 
it was it was the one up in I've had quite a few in this gallery in Boulder. There's such a nice group of people, like just amazing, and such a wide variety of photography that they have in there. Um, and I think it was I'm trying to think of which image that I submitted. Oh, it was I did it on one of the old Polaroid peel aparts because the <sighs> six six nine film always comes out blue. <laughs> I'm like, there's my, there's my ticket in. No, but so I, I did one that where I did, I flipped the camera. So the double exposure where the tree is here and the tree is here um, oh. and it was accepted. So that's so, yeah. so cool. Yeah, it can be a variety. It, it can be something really broad um, or something that maybe, and, and it's always your own interpretation, just like anything, like the embrace one. Um, there's a gal that I just love her work and she photographs a lot of women. And I said, you should submit your work because her just her whole vibe feels like an embrace to me is she's just has it's just very delicate and soft and meaningful. But yeah, so it could be something as broad as that or something more specific. Well, that's really cool. Yeah, cool. When you said some uh, a theme of blue, it made me think uh, like just yesterday I was thinking about this particular film. Um, it's a really, 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 really slow film. ISO three, I think. Um, and uh, it's called Kodak 2383. I only shot one roll so far, but I developed it and it came out. The negative was like brilliant yellow. All the images were, were yellow, had a yellow background, not like that typical negative brownish background, but it was yellow. And I'd never seen you know, uh, negatives like that. So I scanned it and it was all blue. <laughs> so I, I developed it in C41. I don't know if it was supposed to be developed a, in a particular way, uh, like not C41 chemicals or, you know, maybe ECN2 or something like that. Yeah. But it was interesting, really, really interesting. Wow. So. That's kind of cool. Never <laughs> yeah. before. That's really cool. Yeah. yeah. Danielle, um, uh, your your Instagram handle is girl with too many cameras. <laughs> How many cameras do you have? Oh boy. Um, you know, I actually gave a few away and by a few, I mean like three or four. Um, yeah. I think I got, I'm somewhere in the forties. I will say 45 just to like have a nice, even. And like, it was never, um, I don't, I don't even know how I got here. I just, I, <laughs> I, I first found, um, you know, we were kind of talking earlier about, you know, with, with, uh, film photography, you have the bodies and the lenses and the stocks. And, um, I love the stocks and I think it's so much fun to change up different stocks, but I just, I find cameras themselves just endlessly fascinating. And, mm -hmm. um, when I first started shooting, it was honestly completely by accident. I had no, like aspirations to be into film photography. I was just at a thrift store one day and I tripped across a Canon AE-1 for $10. And it was like this lightning bolt moment in the store where I looked at this camera and I just thought, my God, you're like the most gorgeous thing I've ever seen. And I don't have any <laughs> cameras or photography, but I just knew in that moment that camera was the most beautiful thing. And so yeah. I bought it and I started learning how to use it. And then I just started doing this. I just started going to thrift stores and just like collecting every camera they had and, and trolling eBay for like the hidden, hidden finds in there. And somehow I've amassed to the somewhere around 45. Yeah. <laughs> That's so funny. You know, you're, so awesome. 
I saw your post fairly recently. Um, I think you posted a picture of that of that cannon, and something about you'll never f- never forget it, or it, you always have affection for it. Yeah, and it made me think of my very first uh, film. Ca- well, not my first film camera. The first I had film cameras back in the '80s, the disposable ones, you know. Um, I'm sorry to say, but I don't have much affection for them. <laughs> but the first actual film camera that I truly had affection for post-digital was uh, Minolta SRT 101, and I still have it, and I don't give it as much love as I give some of my other cameras, but I'm never giving it up, (laughs) you know? (laughs) It's what got me into film photography, so. They're just um, so cool. I just think it's so fascinating. Like, they're all so different from each other, and it's just like, I just find it so interesting to learn about the different cameras and how you know, how the Nikons are slightly different from the Canons, which are slightly different from the Minolta's, and mm-hmm. and they all have their own little quirks and their own little things that they're very strong at, and yeah. Yeah, I just, I, I love it. I just, I think they're so cool. Yeah. I agree. Do you have any particular, uh, like, style of camera or format of camera that you gravitate to toward more? Yeah, I, as, as I've... Um, shot more I've definitely have gravitated to certain ones I I've really I'm starting to become one of those really annoying people who really like medium format more than 35 millimeter I just (laughs) um, you know I mean the resolution is so much better the grain is a lot less noticeable and um and I just I, I I love my Bronica ETR SI I have I just it's a six four five camera, so I get fifteen shots on the roll, and so I, I love that because it's still a nice. You get a rectangle frame. I love square. Square is nice, but I love having a rectangle frame too, and mm-hmm. then getting a couple extra shots on the roll. And um, I, I, it's to the point where I'm so used to shooting like my Bronica that when I do shoot thirty five millimeter, I'll get to like frame sixteen, seventeen, eighteen, and I'm like, I'm, I'm tired. <laughs> <laughs> I really have to get to 36. Like, <laughs> so yeah, I've really, um, as as I've gone on this journey, I've really gravitated more towards medium format and now large format, I guess, as I'm starting to do that too. Yeah. I wonder if the, the change from medium to large is similar. Maybe it is, maybe, maybe you can eliminate on this, but like just recently, like I said at the beginning of the podcast, I got these two interesting old cameras, the box camera and the uh, Imperial Savoy, both medium format. And I, I think it was the, uh, the box camera. No, 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 no. It was the Imperial Savoy had film in it. No, no, no. It wasn't. I was given four cameras, two of them. One of them was a Polaroid land camera. And I just, the cost of the film is so much. I, I can't, you know, the pillow part, I just can't just justify. I would love to, but I can't beautiful camera. But then there was this other camera that I don't think is usable, but it had film in it, which made me excited. So I developed it at home and I was just like, holy cow, the negative is so huge compared to 35. I'm like used to these little, you know, full frame, Yeah. <laughs> you know, but like huge, huge negatives. And then this box camera takes that times two because it's like rectangular fo- uh, format, four and a half inches by two and a half inches. It's huge, huge images. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I, I, it, it was mind-blowing. So was, was it the same? Was it similar for you when you jumped from medium format to large format? 
Yeah, I mean, it's like they're like the images you get are like the size of an actual print, you know? <laughs> like, yeah. You're, you're looking at it, I'm like, my lord, this is just the size of a regular photo print here. It's it's really cool, yeah. But then scanning them is that much more difficult, though. So, because um, <laughs> I'm not I'm not a fancy person who's got like an Epson that can do a full uh, like the Epson V800, I think you have to have oh. to scan a full large That'd format. Be so nice. That'd be oh. so nice, but I don't have that, and I don't really have a great DSLR setup, so I have to like scan half of each, like, and then I have to stitch them together, and that that gets kind of back tedious, a little tedious. But I'm willing to go through it because it's it's so cool to have such a big big photo. Yeah, that's cool. That would be pretty cool. Suzanne, you have anything more? You know, I think she answered a lot of my questions. We've got even more than I thought I was going to get to learn. So <laughs> it's been wonderful. Cool, cool. Same with me. Danielle, thank you so, so much for being on this podcast. Um, I'm always very, very honored with, with the guests that I have and very honored for all the listeners. And I know that, you know, this podcast compared to, you know, some of the other ones out there, it's still really small potatoes, you know, little tiny potato from the garden. But, uh, <laughs> but it, it just warms my heart to, you know, to have such collaboration. Um, it, you know, it broadens the community, I think. And yeah. I, I really appreciate, anyways, I just appreciate uh, you talking about all these different, different subjects, whether it's the photography aspect or the, the societal aspect with the women with film on Wednesday. Um, and kind of helping us as guys to understand our role you know i, I appreciate that yeah no problem yeah. i'll say that i'm like i'm always touched um whenever somebody wants to talk to me i i i when i started on my film journey i had no ideals of like being successful or being known and so this last like year or two how my page has kind of exploded it's just been very surreal because that wasn't anything that i ever wanted or like thought would happen and so i still just like i'm when somebody asks to interview me i'm like me really <laughs> thank you thank you so much for having me on it really was it's it's so wonderful to get to chat with you guys wonderful to Most chat with you. Wow, you have beautiful work i hope you do some submissions yeah i might have to do that now you really have me curious and a book on the neighborhoods i'm really curious <laughs> that would be cool <laughs> intimidating yeah, not not intimidating at all yep no. <laughs> <There you go. laughs> cool and Suzanne thank you so much for being willing to join me on this journey it's an awesome, an awesome awesome privilege well thank you I am I really really am humbled so I, I appreciate it and I'm very excited to be here cool cool <laughs> awesome well to all you listeners out there thank you for listening to this episode number 30 and uh, again, thank you both for, for being here today. And uh, we'll see what happens with the next episode. And so until then, keep those analog vibes alive. 